All the letters look jumbled up. You hit shuffle five, six, seven times. Nothing seems to make sense. Nothing seems to work. What can words with friends teach us about gratitude? I'm still trying to figure that out. Details coming soon on this episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal podcast. Well, as I've been fond of saying lately to just about everybody, sorry for the delay, because it seems like I've been late or tardy on just about everything, or so it seems. Welcome back to yet another episode of this, the Gratitude Journal podcast, one of millions of podcasts around the globe. And I'm happy that you download this one and hopefully listen to it. Matthew is my name, the podcast designed to hopefully help you and me to maybe find little glimmers of gratitude amongst all the things that we have to deal with throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our hour, really, because things can just pop up at a moment's notice and they can derail you. They derail me and I am tasked and challenged with trying to find ways to make better use of my ability to discover the things around me that I can and should be grateful for. And as I've mentioned countless times before in other episodes of this podcast, that can be tough. It can be challenging. It has been extra challenging lately, and I'll get to that in a bit. But that is the purpose of this podcast, and hopefully in a roundabout way, because sometimes it takes me a while. You know, I I always don't go the way that Waze tells you to go. My wife, Donna, is fond of the Waze app, and sometimes the Waze app directs me in a certain direction, and in my head, I'm thinking, you know, I'm pretty good with directions. I'm just going to go the way I feel is the best way to go, and half the time, I'm kind of right, and half the time, I'm really, really wrong, and so sometimes my way of maybe getting to the point can sometimes seem extracurricular, but that is the benefit of having your own podcast, right? Because you can do that. These are the unwritten rules in the podcasting domain, and that's why I think everyone should uh, investigate it. Now, whether it's successful or not, I really don't know because uh, there are so many podcasts out there, but just let me say this, that I'm happy that you are downloading this one and listening to it, the few people that do. It is Saturday of Labor Day weekend, and my lawn is mowed. Okay, that's a huge chore completed because my knee pain is back. I actually went to the doctor, and she like extracted all this fluid out of my knee and made it slimmer. And she's like, hey, do you have like a queasy stomach? And I said, "Eh, I guess not really, you know, unless I have to look at the score of an Indians game on the West Coast, you know, when they get trounced by somebody. And she said, well, here's what we pulled out of your knee. And there were like three syringes full of this murky liquid. It kind of looked like Gatorade. And um, she said, so you might get some relief. I put some cortisone in there. Call me in a week and let me know what's going on. And boy, I'll tell you what, for like two or three days, I felt amazing. My left knee almost looked the same as my right. And I was walking around doing my stationary bike ride. 
And today I woke up. Actually, my knee woke me up in the middle of the night as I kind of twisted and turned in bed. And I realize now that the swelling is back up. So something's definitely there. So an MRI is in my future and who knows. But it did not prevent me from mowing the lawn because it has been a series of just absolutely gorgeous days. Now, I feel I feel bad saying that because of all of the stuff that people have been dealing with with Ida. We got a little bit of outer ring bands, which I'll get to. But for the most part, we were pretty much spared. And today, on the wedding day of my nephew Joe and his wife-to-be Brooke, they are looking at absolutely spectacular wedding weather. I mean, like sunshine, no humidity, high 78. It just doesn't get any more perfect than that. I wish weather were simply enough to catapult me and others out of this kind of murkiness that we feel. And way back in philosophy class, back in the seminary, when Father Ovid would talk about existentialism and this sort of overall feeling of dread, I kind of understood it. I kind of related to folks like Sartre and Camus, but in really, I just really wanted to check mark it off because it was a philosophy class I had to take if I wanted to graduate. And now I've kind of been feeling this sort of existential angst, a kind of down, but a kind of overwhelmed sensation. Enough for me, really to reach out to a couple of folks and say, you know, are you feeling this too? Because that's what I'm feeling. Like, all of the news events of the world have sort of coagulated together in one perfect storm and have just sort of bowled us over. Now, I don't want to speak for the collective masses. I can only speak for me because this is my podcast. And the other collective masses can speak for themselves on their own respective podcasts. But I have been feeling just really overwhelmed, almost really at times to the point of tears. Like, I don't know how to make it stop. I mean, just everything going on with Afghanistan and everything going on with the storm and just watching like people lives be devastated by a weather event and knowing that there's no groceries, there's no electricity, there's no air conditioning, there's unbelievable heat, there's, you know, you're waiting for people to come in and assist you. And it's just a world that seems foreign to me. And watching video of, of water rushing in and decimating the foundation of someone's home. I mean, it's just, it's almost like it just never stops. Then you go to the other side of the country and you hear the horror stories from the people in South Lake Tahoe and how they're evacuating and, and getting gouged by pricing you know, for, for gas and hotels and the fires encroaching. And it just seems like you've got to be joking. And then you have the things going on in the state of Texas and probably other states like my own state to follow. And it just seems so overwhelming, like just this tidal wave of stuff that is just banging on you. And it doesn't even count 
the things on the local level, you know, the immediate world that also impact you. And, and it made me like reach out to a couple of people just saying, you know, I, I just, I don't know how to filter this all out. And my friend Steve responded to my text and he equated it with something like an image that I've been sort of ruminating over. And it really impacted me, like it really resonated with me. And he says, and I quote, it's not easy. It's like standing on slippery rocks with water trying to force us over the edge. I mean, that is like the perfect description for where I feel that I'm at at this point in time. And I want a sign, you know, like I want someone or something to bring me a sign. I want to rely on something to get me over this hump, whether it seems synthetic or not, because we need guidance sometimes. Like we need a break. Like we need momentary relief. We search, you know, outside of ourselves to find it. Like, will God give me a sign? Will Buddha give me a sign? Will the sign arrive in my email? Should I attach meaning to the way the sun rose this morning? Or should I attach meaning to something that somebody said? I mean, we're trying to find like this little path where we are not slipping on the rocks, where we grab hold of something. But I feel in many ways like the something just isn't there. I think I've mentioned Teresa Caputo before. My wife is like a big fan of her. And so much so that I even bought her tickets to go to a live event <laughs> when she visited Northeast Ohio because she's such a big fan. And Donna is really convinced that you know, there is, you know, an afterlife and that the people who have gone before us, you know, we can communicate and they can give us signs and, and she's, you know, perfectly comfortable in believing this. And I don't doubt that. I mean, who am I to doubt this? I kind of go along with the flow. Do I purposely look for signs from people in the afterlife? Like, is my grandmother really, is she attempted to speak with me or communicate with me in some way? I suppose maybe so. Who knows? I just really haven't been actively looking for it. And I don't think that Donna actively looks for these signs, but I think she's really open to these signs. And the sign lately from her has been her mom as butterfly. And her mother loved butterflies, like collected all kinds of things that represented butterflies. We still have um, innumerable things in our house that were hers that are quote unquote butterfly related. And there does seem to be instances where 
we will be out and about or walking or sitting on the back deck and either discussing something of note or talking about something that's kind of down in the dumps or depressing, or maybe it's heated words or something like that. And, and there have been a couple of instances where a butterfly has sort of trickled by and I will turn to her and just stop and look at her and say, is that your mom? And she will say, mommy. And it's almost like the tone of whatever we were discussing kind of temporarily evaporates. Now, is this good? Is that a good thing? Is that something we should be grateful for? Who am I to debate the ramifications of finding gratitude in that, right? I mean, if something as simplistic as a butterfly meandering by is enough to thwart a heated discussion and calm it down, then maybe those are the things that we should be grateful for in these times of crisis. Now, what does a butterfly have to do with some guy in New Orleans having his electricity turned back on? Literally nothing. I get it. I know. But I think when you are driving in that snowstorm, that driving snowstorm, and you can't see anything, not even the lines on the road, and you just are trying to make sure that you don't swerve off the road, when you get that little momentary patch of vision through the windswept highway where it's just completely blurred out and you get this little inkling that you see that sign, you're just looking for that little piece. And when that arrives, it immeasurably elevates your world, right? You are grateful for it. And I am grateful for it. Now, if you're listening to this and you have no concept of snow, okay, uh, lucky you. <laughs> but I'm sure you could find another compatible comparison that would fit the mold. But these things that emerge and present themselves, I think, are things that we can be grateful for. But let me turn the tables just for a second. Because if we're going to be passively expecting something to present itself in the midst of all of these horrific things that are occurring in our lives, should we not be more active? in trying to look for them. Of course, if I say no, we should not, well then the whole purpose of this podcast gets flushed down the toilet, right? Because I always felt, as you know from experiencing past episodes, that we should be active participants in finding ways to be grateful. But I have been challenged and overwhelmed lately with finding those things. It's easy 
when the big events happen, the good big events happen in our lives, I think it's very easy for us to announce them, pontificate about them, advertise them. I mean, go to any Facebook page. I mean, a Facebook page is either really, really horrible news or a really, really unlearned or uninformed opinion, or it's expressing gratitude for some huge event where, you know, it almost borders on braggadocious. I mean, I have people who do what I do for a living. You know, maybe they get a new client. They say, proud to announce that blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I'm happy for them and all that. But, you know, these are humongous events. And I'm sure today, after the wedding, you know, Joe and Brooke are going to be posting all kinds of photos. And they should. These, this is an enormous event. But these enormous events are not really what we look for. I mean, we can look for a job change. We can look for a person change, like maybe you just need to get out of a relationship. Uh, we can look for a geographical change, and those things can propel us to be in a better place or a better state of mind. I'm not discounting those things, but most of us are not going, well, except if you're in radio when you moved five million times like we have, most people are not going to change geographical locations in their lifetime six, seven, eight, nine times just to get themselves out of the dumps, right? That Those things are not really going to happen. So the big events are not what I'm talking about. The struggle is finding the small things that hopefully can be helpful in helping you to find gratitude in the current life that you experience, and in some cases endure. It was during those latter portions of the hurricane when we experienced a few little like minor bands. We were really pretty much untouched, but there was a period one night this week where we experienced some heavy rain and it was time to let Izzy out. And as you know from previous podcasts, you know, Izzy is our West Highland Terrier and he's getting really old and he's on his last legs and, and we're trying to make things, you know, comfortable for him. I mean, it's just, he's at the point where he has cataracts in his eyes. He can't see very well. He can't hear very well. He struggles to get up the steps. Now it's been one of those things where he just sometimes will just squat and pee inside the house. And it's just at the point where, you know, I know he's on his last place. So we have to be overly cautious with him. We over monitor him and like being away today, we can't really be away for too long. And it's just one of those situations where having a dog sucks. But for the most part, having a dog is awesome. And as you know, I love dogs and I know, at least I'm 99.9% .9 sure that this will be the last dog we have. I mean, after living together and being together for almost 35 years, we've always had a dog and dogs are high maintenance. Dogs require care and patience. And it's just to the point where I'm kind of done with it. But if you haven't had a dog in your life, then you're missing out. You're just missing out on all the good things 
that counterbalance, way more counterbalance the bad things. But it was time for Izzy to go out. And, you know, now he can't sort of can't even see the door. He kind of goes to the wall. He thinks that's the door. And it's just really bad. But I was in the process of letting him out. And I was just feeling just crappy, just crappy, down, bad, depressed, underappreciated, just all the bad things all rolled up into one. And it was time to let him out. It was pouring. And so he went out and now he doesn't even go off the deck to pee. He kind of just doesn't even bother with the steps. He just kind of squats. And so I go, okay, you know, maybe I'll do that. You know, maybe I'll do that next month. You never know. And so he came back in, he was covered, you know, in precipitation and kind of drenched. And I was trying to wipe him off and and I was unleashing the chain. We have a chain that I put on his collar so we won't run away. I mean, in the old days when he was young, he would run to the next county. But now, I mean, if he ran two feet, that would be a lot. And he's not, his running days are over. But it's just habit. So I was kind of like struggling to take the chain off of his collar. And he kind of looked up at me with those glaucoma-filled eyes. And he kind of repeatedly licked my wrist as I was taking the chain off. Now, Izzy never does that. Like, he is not that kind of a dog. He doesn't give you little kisses and all that. He is a peculiar little willful boy, and it's part of his charm. He's just a charming little boy, but he has his peccadillos, okay? He wants to do things his way. It's just the way he operates. <laughs> I love him for that. And it's just a part of his personality. So he never does that. So in my world, it was a, it was a butterfly moment. You know, it was a moment where he kind of sensed my overall yuckness and in his own limited way, attempted to make it better. And so I passively accepted that as a sign. And I was grateful for it. We have our six-month evaluation at the Center for Senior Health in a couple of days. And Donna dreads this. You know, she dislikes it immensely. And I usually never remind her about it until the morning of the appointment. And I'll say, um, we have to go to the Center for Senior Health today. What's that? Well, that's that. And before I even get the words out, she'll say, is that the thing where they give me the tests and they make me embarrassed? Oh, I hate that. And so I always try to put it off telling her. But one of the things that they say to her is that it's always good for people with Alzheimer's and dementia to try to give themselves, you know, the memory games to play with, ways to work things out in their heads. And so Donna plays a lot of words with friends, and I don't really play words with friends, but she has sometimes multiple games going with words for friends. And sometimes she'll get sort of stuck. And even while we're watching television at night, and it might be a show that she's enjoying, she will almost always have her phone in her lap and she's kind of 
puzzled over which word she should form. And Donna has this thing where she takes her right index finger, she's left-handed, she takes her right index finger and she presses on the right cheek of her face and she kind of bites the inside of her mouth when she's thinking. It's, she's, been, she's done it for years. And so I know she's kind of thinking and poring over a word. And sometimes she'll just give up and she'll give me the phone and go, can, can you think of a word here? And usually when she hands me the phone, the letters, well, they suck. I mean, they suck. There's like, you know, five E's and three N's and, you know, it's just horrible. And sometimes I manage to get a word. So I don't play words with friends a lot, but sometimes just that little minuscule opportunity is a challenge to me. So I actively go searching to make this word. And it's kind of like driving in that snowstorm. It's a it's blurry, it's foggy, it's hazy. You're hoping the windshield wipers do their trick. I'm looking around the screen trying to find a way to make this word amazing. You know, like, oh, I'm going to use two letters. I'm going to get like 92 points. I mean, obviously those things don't happen a lot, but that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the win, okay? I just want to solve this problem for her. I just want to hand the phone back and go, there, there's your word. And in looking for the word, sometimes you make yourself form the word that needs to be there, whether it yields you 92 points or not, right? You just need to make a word. And when you do, all of a sudden, that little glimmer through the windshield opens up momentarily. And everything that was really suck-ass before is all good by that word. And I hand the phone back and I say, there's your word. And I think that's where we need to be in the gratitude game. We need to find the word, the gratitude word. And the word needs to be done actively and not necessarily passively. I'll accept passive gratitude for sure. I'll never turn it down. When I get a text from someone and they just say, hey, I just wanted to reach out to you and just say hi. Hope you're doing good. I love that. That's awesome. Who would turn that down? Answer, nobody. I love all that stuff. Someone emerges. Someone gives you a smile at a supermarket that you didn't expect. Someone who allows you to go first, even though they were first when you come up to that four-way stop. There's no substitute for that. I'll never turn that down. But when we are completely drained and overwhelmed, as I was feeling, and the tendency for me is to look for the lick on my wrist, or the tendency for me is to look for the butterfly, I need to make the word happen. It's like when you play golf, and I sucked at golf. I can't play golf anymore because of my shoulder. I need a reconstructed shoulder. So really, it's quite impossible for me to swing a club. Well, even when my shoulder was good, I couldn't swing a club, as my friend Kyle knows. But when you play golf and you've kind of like, uh, you've been trash all day, and that last hole, you, you, you swing the club and the ball goes straight down the fairway and 
you can't believe that that ball came off your club head. And when it lands, you just go, okay, that made it all better. I want to play 18 more holes. You know, like that you made that happen. And for whatever reason, and you're grateful for that. That's what we need. We need that good swing. We need to make that happen. We need to find that word and be active in our pursuit of it to overcome this. And I'm going to listen back to this and remind myself of this later today when I feel depressed, when I look at all my family members who are doing so well in their lives and, and I wished I would have done what they did. And I looked at all everything that I was, everybody else has and, and I'm driving back and I'm thinking about my own life. And, and I realized that, you know, I have to be active in finding the gratitude, find the word. And I think if we do that repeatedly and on a consistent basis, especially when we feel overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by everything that's going on around us, impacted in so many different ways, that that maybe can be the thing that lifts us, at least temporarily, above it to find this gratitude. Well, it's football season and everybody's talking about the Cleveland Browns. It makes me nervous when everybody's talking about the Cleveland Browns. Because once you start talking about them, then bad things happen, right? <laughs> but I'm excited nonetheless. Not excited for the end of summer, but excited that football is back. I hope football being back is also not just another opportunity for the Delta variant to pierce us directly in our hearts because it just seems like it's a super spreader event and and personally i have a decision to make because i've had this little trip planned this little three-day excursion and you know it's all set and now with the variant i'm i'm worried you know i'm worried about going and I'm worried about flying and I'm worried about what could happen, even though we're both fully vaccinated. And so it's a decision I have to make here in a couple of days to try to decide whether we're going to go through with it. And I have arguments on both sides. So that's, that's on me. But I'm hoping that you are untouched by it, that you are being safe and that you are, I know I hate masks, hate them. But I'm back into don't let Donna go to a store and I'm walking around with my mask and I'm trying to be hurried in my efforts to go in and do what I need to do and get out. And I can't believe we're dealing with this again, but we are. So we have to be vigilant. How many times have we said that over the past almost two years? We have to be vigilant. But here's to you being safe, and here's to you overcoming all of this stuff, and here's to you finding, finding that little piece that lifts you above, active gratitude discovery. I like that, active gratitude discovery, AGD. 
Okay, all we need is another one of those, right? <laughs> Thanks for downloading and listening to another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast.